the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman coming to you from a wet Southern California at, at this point. But I do have a fantastic show for you today. And I think we need to praise the rain, not only because we needed it so much, but it finally got two guys that are absolutely impossible to get a hold of inside today. And the people I'm talking about are Jake Franklin from Kika Worldwide and Jeff Raleigh from Civilware.com. We're going to go into more about what they do and, and amazing, amazing exploits these guys have been on. They have a fantastic life, um, hard work, and a lot of sleeping in the dirt, but it's, it's absolutely amazing. I just like to, to uh, partake of it from the outside looking in. Also joining me on the show here today is a friend of the show, great friend of the show, Rex Tibor, Tibosaurus Rex. You can find him out at rexdefense.com, R-E-X-defense.com. Uh, Jake, you can find at kikaworldwide.com. That's K-I-K-A worldwide. And Jeff Raleigh owns the company Civilware, and it's an amazing knife brand. We're going to talk about that. Beautiful hunting designs, um, just amazing stuff. We actually had you on the air about this at the, the Rahagi Shooting Fair several years ago. Yeah, we yeah. did. We did. We were just starting out then. That's right. At yeah. the shooting show. And and because of that one show, the growth of your business is amazing. <laughs> Imagine what's going to happen now. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I appreciate that. That was a good. That was a good time. It was a good turnout too, down there. Yeah, uh, it's an awesome time. Hey Rex, coming up here in February, February second and third. What are we doing, Chief? Yeah, we're coming down for uh, another visit with the California there, so I'm excited to come down for another seminar. I, this one's in Riverside, right, Philip? It is. It's at the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range right off the 91 freeway. Um, Big Tom Reese over there, uh, he's one of our sponsors. He has allowed us to uh, have the classroom there, which is kind of nice to be in a big shooting facility and support uh, the local businesses. And But this particular class, what's important about this is it's precision long-range class. And and we say it all the time, just because you bought a rifle does not make you a long-range shooter. You need to understand the fundamentals on that. Rex, you want to speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, we cover everything uh, going over from long-range shooting terminology, getting into the the basics of internal ballistics, external ballistics, transitional ballistics, all the stuff like that. But we also go into, like, detailed firing position analysis. A lot of guys think you just kind of lay down behind the rifle and shoot, and that, that'll work for certain applications, but if you really want to get into the details, or if you really want to push it out there farther or milk all the performance out of that weapon, you got to be able to know the subtleties of exactly how to uh, perform those marksmanship skills. We, we also talk about a lot of unique stuff that I don't think a lot of folks talk about, like the, 
spectrum of marksmanship techniques because there's a lot of dogmatic approaches out there that people superimpose from like their experience, whether that be you know, maybe an F-class guy or a hunting guy or a military guy. They all have different techniques that work very well with their equipment, their skill set, and what they're trying to accomplish. And uh, being able to modulate that properly for what you're trying to do is important. So we talk about long-range strategy, uh, information systems integration. you got all these different forms of tools, your phone app, your test tool, your, your wristwatch, all this different stuff, your barometer. How do you make all that stuff come up with the same answer, which also, which, uh, also matches the empirical reality that you've observed on the range? So we show you how to true everything uh, once and for all, so that you got it nailed down. And so, yeah, we get into that and all kinds of other stuff. We have a lot of fun, too. So I'm excited to come back down to California again. We had a lot of fun last time and a good crowd. So uh, good, fun-loving folks, real, real good uh, real good place. Ed. And it's a lot nicer down there this time of year rolling around uh, than it is where I'm from up in the Great White Ice Cube Land. How many feet of snow you guys got? Uh, you know, actually, it uh, melted a bit, so we just got a few inches, but it's uh, pretty windy and cold. It's, uh, I think the high is going to be zero today. So, oh, yeah, it's uh, nice to get out of here. Rough go. <laughs> Was that Celsius or Fahrenheit? No, uh, Fahrenheit. You can't even build a snowman. Uh, like, you, you try sticking the snow together and it's too dry. It's like just like that's too cold. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, so Jake, your your type of guiding that you do, I mean, is it's very specific. You help people get kind of their, their dream animal of their life, right? Mm. How important is it to you? When a hunter comes and, or, or I'd say, I know you can't really say this, but uh, have you ever heard about anybody coming to a hunt like that and not being prepared with their rifle? Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> I always try and just, get just somebody. Just you've ever to, heard a story no, like that. I never heard of one. <laughs> no, I, I usually try the day before, uh, I usually try and have them come in the day before and then I take them out and I'll usually kind of, um, be a little bit of a jerk and I'll have everybody out and we'll all stare at the guy and, you know, make sure there's quite a lot of pressure and give him a rest. That's kind of mediocre and then tell him to shoot that rock. And then he's like, which rock? And I'm like the one to the right of the bush, you know, just like kind of what it'll be like when there's sheep or deer or elk or whatever else. And, and, uh, it's actually kind of a lot of pressure because we just met the guy. Mm -hmm. There's people staring at him, you know, and now he has to make a good shot. So it, it doesn't replicate fully, but it, allows me to see what he's able to do and then and i from that shot i have to be able then to in my head know okay we're going to be 200 yards or we can go 400 yards or this guy says he can do 600 i believe he can do 600 you know and and i just kind of make that assessment off of one shot the night before and god forbid the guy misses the rock and hits 10 feet to the right and then it's going to be six shots and we're reciting his rifle in and you know, or if he else. gets in late to camp and yeah, doesn't he, get to shoot, he gets in late to camp and we have a huge buck spotted that we're going to be out in first light the next day. And he says, "Hey, how do I put the scope on?" <laughs> yeah, right. So, so that's that's one of the things that's important is it's the preparation. Now, California, where we are in the People's Republic of Occupied Calizuela, because we're on our way to be in Venezuela, um, getting a quality tag for deer. You know, I've got 17 points or 18. I don't know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I can't get drawn to save my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been drawn for sheep. I put in every single year for that. To get a tag is almost an act of God. And 
if you've done the waiting, you've you've put the money in and you put the time in and you finally get a tag and then you didn't do two things. You didn't do your physical conditioning, which comes into play making the shot, and you didn't do any shooting conditioning. And and Rex, I mean, that's the, one of the things you touch on all the time is is how to get in the field and be field expedient and make your shots and, and be comfortable when you realize that you're you're you don't have a nice flat sandy surface to shoot off of you're shooting off of lava rocks um what right. do you do yeah yeah we go into it from a field perspective for sure because that's how most guys are going to employ it if they ever need to use it um i mean there's a lot of guys who do a lot of bench rest shooting and, and different kinds of things like that and i do that too you know there's certain applications for that if you're getting something zeroed or if you're doing load development assuming you have all your firing position, you know, squared away properly, that can be effective. But the center line or the, the middle of the bell curve of where we try to focus our energy is on that field application, which means that, you know, stuff doesn't go down in the field ever like you would think it should. There's always Murphy's Law. Your batteries die on your accessories. What's your backup mechanism, right? Um, right. You can't get a good uh, solid position. What? How do you approach an obstacle? What are, like, different techniques you can use to uh, – use that as a support rather than an obstruction to the shot, right? So we come at it from mm-hmm. a, a very much of a field perspective, absolutely. And, and that's that's what you see. I mean, you're hunting bighorn sheep. What's the terrain like? Nice flat bench areas? Yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rex, Rex, I have a question for you, um, just out of curiosity. Yeah. If you were to kind of condense um, in a you know, on a radio show right now in a couple sentences, what's the best way that somebody that doesn't have the time to go to a school, what can they do to prepare themselves to, um, like maybe at home, to be able to make shots quickly at, you know, maybe two, three hundred, four hundred 400 yards? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot of things you can do. Um, if you have access to a range, obviously, shooting is the foundation. Marksmanship is the foundation. However, there's Every one round you you expend, you can actually do tens or or you know, hundreds of dry fire practice rounds. You know what I mean? You can set up a deal in your home where you just practice getting stable on an aiming point and uh, reinforcing various positions on different obstacles or laying prone or whatever, and just doing that dry practice um, to make sure you know make sure you don't got live ammo in there, obviously. But uh, and I imagine that <laughs> would help a lot. Say that part. And I imagine that would help a lot with target acquisition too, right? Oh yeah. Like I want absolutely, to... yeah. With yeah, with the rifle scope, that's the hard part. Is that folks ain't used to it. Another thing too is you got to work the bugs out of the ergonomics. A lot of guys have their stuff adjusted all cattywampus, and so you kind of got to get a feel for that in various positions. If you just got the scope set up to be comfortable at a bench, for example, when you lay down prone, your eyeball might be too close, and you're not going to have a clear view. Or your toothpiece might be off. Getting all that stuff squared away is important. Also. Absolutely, just getting used to. There still is such a thing as sight alignment, even with a telescopic oh, rifle optic. I think I yep. think that's one of the more critical things that you find when you get into high-powered rifle shooting is the ergonomics on the gun can determine a hit or a miss, and guys don't realize that. Hey, we're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back after this. We'll pick you guys up. Uh, Rex, we'll see you on the other side. And, uh, again, that's February 2nd and 3rd, Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. Check it out at rexdefense.com. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials 
to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Hey, folks, you know, every week on the Firing Line Radio Show, our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights that are afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. And our faithful, stalwart companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been Firing Line Radio's longtime sponsor, Vince Torres, at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're not armed for protection or recreation, then Bullseye Sport in Riverside is where you need to go for handguns, rifles, shotguns, ammos, accessories, and much more. After you purchase that firearm, Vince and I highly recommend you attend a certified firearm safety and training course, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. For more information about the certified firearm courses, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. Visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes. Because of Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Guys, that should be your number two on your speed dial right now. Right after your wife. Bullseye Sport. Just put it on speed dial. Check him out. Um, thank them for their sponsorship. Hey, joining me back on the show here, guys, I have Rex Tibor. He's on the line in studio. I have Jake Franklin, uh, hunting guide extraordinaire with Kika Worldwide. I have Joff Raleigh, who's just more famous than anybody else I know. So he's we're blessed to have him here in the uh, uh, from Civilware and from a, a previous professional skateboarding career. Nope, I wouldn't say previous. Still doing yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. He's still awesome. killing it. Awesome. So there you go, folks. Um, Rex, we were just talking about some of the things guys can do to prepare themselves, and ergonomics came up. I just want to touch on this real quick here. You're doing a precision rifle class February 2nd and 3rd at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. Tickets are available at rexdefense.com, rexdefense.com. You need to have a ticket to go, um, but it's a lot of information. But there's a simple thing on ergonomics, and, and Jake and I were just talking about this at the break. A Remington 700 ADL. A guy gets a uh, uh, 
bighorn sheep tag of a lifetime and he wants to think he's going to shoot long range so he gets this bigger scope with a 30 millimeter tube 50 millimeter objective lens great scope but the stock design betrays him why is that yeah the ergonomics of a lot of uh, rifles are you know very traditional went back when they had open sights uh that were very close to the axis of the bore so a lot of the, the stocks have a, a very low cheek rest and so if you're shooting a scoped rifle, you know, then there's a whole different set of ergonomic considerations you've got to be aware of. And that's something you might not know until you really try it a bunch. And uh, you realize if you lay down prone for two or three or four hours, um, you know, doing shooting, that, uh, wow, my neck is totally shot. <laughs> so that's just one of many details we go over in the course, right. man. It's, it's really more of a, uh, it's the, we call it the master key course, but it's also like a master's degree level of instruction in terms of a classroom deal. We're trying to download like 35 years of uh, like fast forwarding experience so that guys who really, really, really want to get into long range, even for guys that are like brand new, it's a very kind course. We have fun. We don't put anyone on the spot. Well, maybe once or twice. <laughs> exactly. There are a couple of quizzes at the course, but uh, we have a lot of fun. But it, it, it's delivering, like, if, if you've got any rifle experience at all, or if you just got a new setup and you want to really get ahead of the game that's kind of what we're there for and uh we we don't stop just to get you effective at a thousand our end game is really getting people out to extreme long ranges or shooting smaller targets at a thousand at a lot of our live fire courses which are follow-ups to these we shoot at uh the clay pigeons or water bottles at a thousand yards an occasional uh, beer uh, can i've heard yeah yeah <laughs> well, you know, it, Unless you drink the target before you get all the way down there, but you never want to mix firearms. No, no, no. Hey, I want to th <laughs> thank you for your time there, Rex. Check it out, folks. RexDefense.com, February 2nd and 3rd. We'll be there at the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. And you guys, stay stay uh, warm there, Rex. Rock and roll. Thank you, Phil. All right. Hey, folks, joining me back here, I have the Jake S. Franklin. Former. Or, you're not on the search rescue anymore, are you? Uh, no, not really. Nope. Not really? Just when they need extra help? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. nobody else. I, I met Jake years ago as uh, his father was one of the team leaders for San Gregorio Search and Rescue. Jake was up and coming, and uh, he could run the hills faster than I could. Probably still can. Um, anyway, great guy, local guy, knows these mountains, knows the California mountains amazingly. And not just California, but he's been hunting worldwide. Yeah. 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 Tell us, how did you start this, Jake? I uh, started in high school, and I wanted to be a hunting guide randomly, and so I went to hunting guide school and up in Montana, and I thought it was too cold, so I came back home and randomly found out that I can hunt down here in a Medita Mediterranean climate, right? And so I started hunting in California, ended up getting lumped in with bighorn sheep, uh, made a good name for myself, and now... Um, I have my own business, and, and we're here in California, Nevada, and we have uh, recently bought an outfit in Alberta, Canada as well. Oh, congratulations. So, yeah. Know about it. What, what are you offering in, in Canada? Uh, we have bighorn sheep, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep tags, elk tags, and deer tags, and a moose tag, but we don't hunt moose. So. <laughs> it's too much work? <laughs> no, it just I'm just not a moose guy. I'm just not a moose guy. <laughs> I love them, but... Uh, where, you said it's Alberta? Yeah, Alberta, Canada. How yeah. far north? Uh, it's only two hours from Calgary. Still pretty far north. Yeah. That's a great white It's north. cold enough, yeah. Uh, black bears, too? Nope. 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 I just have the bighorn sheep, um, elk, and deer tags. So you have to be specifically licensed for each animal yeah. in Canada? Yeah. Like okay. We have the non-resident tags for those species okay. in our area. That's awesome. I didn't realize that. Congratulations. Thanks. Yep. So uh, what are you doing here in California? 
Uh, we do all the specialty tag draws. So um, me personally, I do all the bighorn sheep, kind of like coordinate those. And then um, we have like Jeff and Josh that kind of oversee everything, but then they also do a lot of the deer and the elk and a lot of those, you know, Cache Creek up north of Sacramento. You know, we're talking like G3, Goodale, you know, um, Round Valley, Doyle muzzleloader. I've seen <laughs> I, I've seen you shooting all my deer in the G thirty nine tag that yeah. I never draw. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot for that. You're gonna leave me any? Next year's your tag. Next year is yeah. my tag. Yeah, for sure. We have guides all over the state, really, right? Yeah, scouting year round for all yeah. those specialty units or all those hard to draw units. We always have eyes on those yeah. areas year round. I have eight guys, pretty much constantly scouting in the field. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, a lot of people they say elk hunting in California. What are you talking about? Uh, so California is the only state with all three elk. Um, there's three different species of elk. Uh, there's Rocky Mountain, Roosevelt, and Tule elk. Um, we mostly do just Tule elk. Uh, we have done and will do some Roosevelts and some Rockies. Uh, but we specialize in the Tule elk, you know, in the Owens Valley and then La Ponza units, which is just a couple hours north of L.A., um, and then Cache Creek. Yeah, most people don't realize that, but we do. Now, of course, they've introduced wolves into California, so the elk will be gone soon. So get your <laughs> Hopefully tag soon. it takes them a while to get down yeah. to where – but they're already on the elk, you know, oh, up yeah. in, in northwestern zone. Yeah. yeah. Just depends Eastern on how zone. long it takes them to get right down the range, right? Yep. It yep. usually doesn't take wolves very long, does well, it? It's not that it takes the wolves very long. It doesn't take the hippies very long to transport the wolves in their Volkswagen vans and let them go where the elk herds are. And even still, like even that wolf that was – from Idaho or Wyoming, he come into California and killed some sheep in Northern California. I mean, that's a long ways. You know, they'll move a couple hundred miles. The wolves will, you know, in a blink of an eye. All the big predators, will, you know, if the, if the space is there, they'll move in. Yeah. Some of them faster than others, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you transplant them somewhere, and it's just – it instantly it's like pouring a glass of water on your table like you can't contain it it's just gonna go well, it's like a couple of years ago two a male and a female showed up in the kaibab remember that mm. in arizona and they were last seen out of yellowstone so you're gonna tell me that they crossed all of utah and all, never were seen by anybody right mm. and the radio tag they're radio tagged in wyoming and now they just show up here yeah i'm sorry Somebody had those guys tranquilized and transported them, mm. you know, so it just... It, well, the northern Kaibab, that area is like a pocket, right? If, mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm, I'm right or wrong, but I know that when the bigger predators are removed from that area, they don't necessarily fill it in so quick as some other areas. To, I know some, all the cross, studies been done on that area. They have to cross such a great area to get there. Exactly. Yeah. So if the wolves are there... They ain't leaving. Right. <coughs> How'd they get there? Mm. Hippies. Yeah. <laughs> We, we, we call it the way we see it here, folks. Why is the world the way it is? Hippies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so that's what Jake's been up to. He's been a great guy. If you are lucky enough to get a tag, you know, this is something you want to do. As a matter of fact, you were involved in, in the world's largest bighorn sheep last year, wasn't it? Yeah, Nelson and I, yeah. Yeah. California. Yeah, Cal the largest California bighorn sheep you took with uh, uh, Jason Harrison last year. Amazing animal. We'll mm. talk a little bit about that when we come back. And then I want to get into, uh, Jeff, what you do. I mean, we talked years ago with uh, at Rahagi's about silverware when you came out, and you were making these amazing um, knives out of, out of file stock, I believe it was, right? Yeah, originally. Originally file stock, and you've come a long way with that. You've got all these different options now, which is really amazing. And one of them I fell in love with immediately, actually 
four of them I fell in love. Oh, there's only four here. Yeah, four <laughs> of them I fell in love with immediately. So there's some amazing things that he has here, folks. We're going to talk about that and how to get you involved in, in seeing these and getting these. And you don't just do knives. You actually have a whole... Yeah, we have a whole range of like specialty outdoor products, but we mostly focus on the hard goods. Yeah. On the knives, mostly. But then we do soft goods, too, hats and, you know, peripheral things. But the focus is the hard goods. And pretty good shoes, too. Pretty cool shoes. Yeah, we do. We work with other brands. We do collaborations with different brands. We develop some of our own product. We manufacture some of our own product and, you know, a little bit of everything. That's awesome. Okay, folks, we'll be right back after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, fire firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Hey folks, it's always Mulan Labe Saturday here at Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out on our website, firinglineradio.com. Our podcasts are there. You can get them. You can subscribe to them for free. Also, our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show. Join the group because we are doing some more giveaways. We just got some stuff in from Vortex Optics. Awesome, awesome optic brand. I use them exclusively. So I have some giveaways I'm going to be putting on that. They're only going to be available to the people in the Facebook group. What does it cost you to get into the Facebook group? Nothing. You push the little button that says join the group, and away you go. So, folks, be involved in that Firing Line Radio Show Facebook group if you want to be involved in our, in our take, uh, giveaways. Back here on the show, I have Jake Franklin and I have Jeff Raleigh. Jeff Raleigh is the owner of Civilware, and I did, I've heard me say before, we've talked before about some of his brands. He came out with an original hunting style knife that was kind of an old style knife based off of some of the Trapper's designs and the Mountain Man designs from the early 1800s. Yeah, that's correct. That's okay. correct. The original knife was influenced by an old houndsman by the name of Ben Lilly, um, who uh, was a big lion and bear guy. Awesome. And uh, he would make his own knives. And so the idea kind of came from that where, you know, it's a recurved blade, um, doesn't really have a, uh, it's kind of a wavy blade design, almost like a Turkish blade. Um, so the, the, the high points on the spine don't coincide with the with the drop or the belly on the blade, mm-hmm. they're offset a little bit, so there's always going to open up wound channels or give you a little bit more uh, control, a little more things that you can do with the blade. So when he's talking about the sweeps on this, and unfortunately we're on the radio, but if you've, uh, this is similar, I would say, to a pretty famous knife called the Puma Great White Hunter on the belly of the front end. So it's similar to that, but this is a more manageable design because the Puma is like a big knife. 
And although they're really cool to carry huge giant knives in the field because they make you feel like Rambo. For sure. Uh, they're not that useful when it comes to taking an animal apart because you don't have the maneuverability, you're, you don't have the blade control. So this has taken a great design and give you giving you maneuverability a little more versatility yeah with it you know you have a lot of leverage with the thickness of the steels very very heavy yeah how heavy is that i don't know weight wise I don't, I don't, no i'm talking about my the, the thickness it looks like it's almost what three sixteenths it's exactly three sixteenths you're very good <laughs> i did not read that yeah. um <laughs> no it's a it's an awesome design and i can see how that would work out really well now you made a very large handle too which is nice because some, sometimes the handles are too short, and what happens is when you're, you know, let's say you're cleaning an elk, you are going to be inside the wound or the, uh, the chest cavity removing material, right? And so there's a lot of it you cannot see because your hands need to manipulate the blade. So you've got your index finger on the back of the blade, but you need to make sure that the handle is, is there and your, your other part of your fingers don't slide up. That's right. I mean, it's a full-bodied handle. Right, which is, reflects a lot of what they do in Scandinavia. They like full-bodied handles, <laughs> and for a real versatile knife, I prefer it like that. Yeah. Right, for that same reason, you won't yeah. get hand fatigue if you needed it to eat a steak. It's ready to go. If you need to skin an animal, you can do the same. So it's uh, and it's classy. And it's classy. Yeah, I think it's sexy. Well, let's just stick with classy, there, Jake. This is a family show. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's an awesome, awesome blade. So that's one of the options. And what is that called exactly? That's called the Striker Fixed Blade. Okay. And now, since this is your first design, you used to make them actually out of file metal. Yeah, originally the, the first knife design idea I had was this particular design. Mm -hmm. um, and we made them out of files. Um, I had a friend who was a handmade knife maker. He made some samples and we liked them. So we made a few more. And then we sold them and we couldn't keep up with production. So I built a machine shop to actually make them domestically myself. So the knife that you have in your hand right there is actually made in the high desert right here. Awesome. Um, by uh, an incredible knife engineer and one of the, the most well-respected legendary handmade knife makers in the country, a guy by the name of David Sharp. He makes all of our domestic products. So our domestic product is made by one of the best handmade knife makers in the country, which I'm very proud of. Um, yeah, and then that, in a nutshell, that's kind of how the, the company was started. It was started on that one knife design, and then we kind of built the line from there. We developed the skinning knife that you have right here, which is called the IBK. It's an interchangeable blade knife. It's a razor blade knife, and that was designed by uh, Jake right here um, through his years of experience skinning. Jake designed that with David Sharp, and uh, we just put that one out a few months ago. And that's a very hunting, very outdoor-specific knife. Exactly. And it's not the same as the other knife you were talking about. Nope. It has all kinds of different um, requirements. That one's made out of titanium, nitrate-coated titanium, uh, for its light properties, but also for its antimicrobial properties and also for its uh, rust, of the, rust resistance yeah. and... and uh, stuff so each of the knives each of the knives that we manufacture is very they're all unique they're all engineered a little bit different and they all have a different set of requirements so let's talk about this so yeah. so this is your typical um i imagine these blades are the the basic blades you yeah that's actually the ones that come with the knives which are a little bit different than your havilon blades okay. but havilon blades go on there no problem just perfect yeah. okay so the yeah i can see the tip is different on this so we we sell them with the blades that we recommend the quality of bl razor blade that we would recommend 
but they fit all aftermarket razor blades. So if you have razor blades that you like to use, whether yeah. it's for for fishing or for hunting, yeah. or you just lost them, you could at least get it. the knife is not non functional. That's right. Yeah. It, it should fit almost all aftermarket razor blades, yeah. and that was something that was very important too. So on this particular knife, I just I'll post a picture of it on online here. But on this particular knife, a lot of the ones that I've seen that are razor blade replacement knives. Hey, who's the idiot left his phone on? Oh wait, that's me. Sorry about that. That better be your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Moron. Anyway, so um, a lot of them that I've seen, the handles are too big. And then there's a there's like a drop down with a little skinny itty bitty blade in there. So they're not really comfortable. This one's very flat, very ergonomic and very flat. And you have a non-grip surf or non-slip surface on the handle, which is made of... G10, which is an epoxy resin. An epoxy resin. Like what you'd get on a lot of firearms. So, so what we did and what I did with that knife is it is the most beautiful knife to actually skin animals with. So, um, you know, it, it really doesn't have any other functions other than just skinning and gutting animals. Um, and then all the designs, like when you hold it, you'll soon realize like when you're actually skinning an animal with it, there's not really a sexier skinning knife for doing that. Right. I don't know. Well, every, every angle and shape. Yeah, everything is everything serves a pur- purpose for when you're skinning. Yeah, so so what they've done here is is it's a full, I call, I'm gonna call it a full tang on the back of this. You have a full tang of of the titanium mm-hmm. that the blade clips into, but it's thick enough that the back of your the back of the blade can be supported by your index finger if you're manipulating the knife in that fashion. There's also in front of the blade at the hilt. There's a couple of cutouts if you needed to put a gripping area. Jimping. It's like a form of jimping. A jimping. 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 Yeah. Okay. Jimping. Accent gets you. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like what you get on. What he said. On a firearm, same thing for control or be able to grab quick or just to be able to stop your finger slipping. Yeah, very nice. And then it has a finger cut out and the non-grip surface. And this thing weighs, what, four or five ounces? Not even that. Not even that? Really? Yeah. And you can take off the handles and then it's just the tang. It's completely skeletonized inside, yeah. too. If you wanted to take the handle off for extra, extra cord or just, you know, if you're, you're going on a real big pack hunt, you want to remove every bit of weight, you can just take the handles off and take it as a skeleton knife, and it's even lighter and smaller. Um, so it essentially is as small light as you can get while still maintaining the control that you'd need to skin an animal safely. That was That's one of the biggest issues, right? Mm-hmm. Was the took a long time. What's on the market right now prior to this coming out? is really low quality and low grade product. Right. And Plastic you're talking handles. about how hard it is to draw a sheep tag in the state of California. If you draw that tag and it's a once in a lifetime hunt and then you're gonna skin that animal with a twenty dollar knife that might snap while you're doing it. Or it's or with lack of control you put a nice slice right through the nose. It just sets a new standard yeah. in safety, yeah. control, performance, longevity, um, and hopefully quality of blade too. Yeah. And then when you're done with it, the you know, the knife that you skinned your sheep with, you can hand down to your kids, and it's not a piece of plastic that you handed down to your kids. It's an actual quality knife, right? Right. And the blades are replaceable, so it's always sharp. Yep. Now, do you shave with this? Oh, wait, you don't yeah. shave. <laughs> hey. No, it's me that doesn't shave. I'm I, the one with the bad mustache. I, yeah. <laughs> I think we both have bad mustaches. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, the days of the mustache, yes. Those yeah. were years ago. Um, so this one, again, the the 
name of this knife is? It's the IBK, Interchangeable Blade Knife. So it's IBK. A razor blade skin and knife. And you can find that at civilware.com. C I V I L Ware, W A R E.com. That's Jeff's company. Um, are they sold anywhere else? No. Okay, so go, go direct to the source, man. Why are you messing around? Cuts the middleman out. Save you some money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great knife, um, especially for that specific purpose. And, and that's what's nice is everything you have is, you know, people have golf clubs for every shot. You know, there's specific reasons you want a specific knife for a specific job. And this is a very quality, um, specific knife that uh, would work well for a hunter. Folks, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. We'll be right back after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. This is our last session here today, man. I'm kind of bummed because I know these guys got a lot of stories and adventures we want to share with you, and maybe we'll have to have them back out so they can uh, not be so humble. Just tell stories Jake. the whole time. Yeah. just we'll, we'll Right here in the middle of this, uh, we'll just start a fire. Okay? <laughs> just have a little campfire here and just let you guys go, and you can tell us all the great stories we want to hear. But we're running a little low on time today, so I will uh, would like to have you back in the, uh, as soon as we can. Come on out. As long as I can just tell stories the whole time. Like an old man. Uh, A specific old man? (laughs) Yeah, sheep hunting old man. Yeah, just an old man. No specific. Very good. Um, Jeff, you got a couple other designs. This one is my favorite. I've always favored a drop point style blade for hunting because... You have one knife. If I need to clean the animal, I can clean it. If I need to skin it, it works for that. Um, if you need to stick it because it's not dead yet. If I need to throw it at, at a beer can on the on the wall, I can do that too, yeah. Um, dude, I, I practice with my rifle. There is no it's not dead yet crap. <laughs> well, you need to come hunting with me more then. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to. Yeah. California, please give me a tag. Yeah. I want to hire this guy. Um <laughs> No, yeah, we don't uh, we don't allow that stuff to happen. So tell me about this one. That's called the Packer. It's a pack knife. Um, called the Pack Out. Packer. Packer. Does that English accent again? <coughs> Packer. P A C K E R. Um, your basic kind of drop point, uh, which everyone's familiar with, like your basic drop point design, uh, which a lot of guys use as kind of like backup for skinning or just another knife that they might have in their pack that maybe it's not as big as some of your larger fixed blades. Uh, so again, a pretty versatile blade, but it's designed to kind of run in line with the IBK Skinner if you wanted a basic drop point to go with that. 
um, that would be your knife. It's a real high-grade steel. It's S35VN, which is a harder steel, um, but you can still sharpen it yourself. So that being that hard, how long does the blade la- the sharpness last? A long time. It should. It shouldn't. You shouldn't have to sharpen it too much. If you do, a leather strop should do do it good. Um, but from our knives, from what I've, from my experience, if you handle a treat, heat treating right, and if you grind them right, you shouldn't have to sharpen them as much as maybe some knives you might have had in the past. We take pride in the quality of our knives, you know, and the quality of the the blade edge, um, and and with that, um, it should hold hold the edge pretty good. Okay, so let me tell you about real world experience. Yeah. Got an elk. Right. Lucky enough to get it hanging on the gambles. Um, you pull out your $20 knife. Well, I don't have a $20 knife. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, basically, a quarter to a third of the way, you're sharpening your blade. Right. As you're skinning because there's, there's the fat that you got to cut through and the, that kind of globs up the end of the... End of the... Yeah. So tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Well... The fixed blades that we have running in here, the, the first fixed blade, the striker that you had, is almost a razor blade steel. That's AEBL. So it's a thicker razor blade stock, very similar but higher grade than what you're used to with razor blades. So you really shouldn't, on one animal, really have to sharpen that midway through. You might give it a, a, a quick once-over, but you shouldn't on that. On the packer, which is a little more high-grade high steel, S35VN, you might have to sharpen it a little bit more. But really, you need to take these in the field, Phil, and you need to try them, and you need to tell me versus the knives that you use them before how well they hold their edge. Right. So That's you, my test to you. Is like you give me the tag. This and I'll use that this knife, knife right there is yours. <laughs> that one, the Packer one in orange. There, take it and tell me what you think, and I'll come back on the show after you've used it. Is that fair? That's awesome. That's more than fair. Um, let's talk about your case on this, though. This is a little bit different. I like these. It's a tech lock. Right. You know, which a lot of guys are used to. You know, you can you can pack them up, down, left, right, diagonal, you know, on your hip, on your holster, on your, your your strap, on your your pack. So on the tech lock, this actually has nicer nicer release than most. Um, on the tech lock, what's nice about this is you can put it on your belt. And one of the things that we talked about when we're talking about hunting, I think Jake, you ever had a situation where you're hunting with a guy and he takes a shot and he misses, and then he goes, oh. I don't have any more ammo because I left it in my backpack and I left it 100 years ago when we started 100 yards yeah. where we stock. Anybody that's in the field a lot, your real handy stuff that you're going to need, it should be on your belt, personally, is what I think. Your ammo, your rangefinder, uh, a knife, you know, some sort of knife, all those should be on your belt. And, you know, you go to New Zealand, Australia, Africa, all your guides don't even carry backpacks. They just have all this, what they need on their belts all the time. You know, it's, it's, that's what's handy about it, right? Exactly right. And that's one of the things that I think is, is great. I use one of those Ranger belts that I got from Search and Rescue mm-hmm. back in the day. And I've got 10 rounds of ammo, um, plus whatever's in the firearm. 10 rounds of ammo. I carry a, a headlight mm-hmm. on there because, you know what? Darkness happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's too late when you're down in a canyon finding your lost animal or whatever to, to go back and, Anyway, yep. you need a knife because you should always have a knife with you in the field. Uh, range finder, either on your binoculars or on your belt. You need these to be successful in the field. And I have seen so many times where a guy is like, oh, it's in my backpack. Well, where's your backpack? Yeah. Oh, it was Same too, with ammunition, right? It was too Those heavy. Are, we just had that recently. Yeah, on I saw a guy in Mexico last year or two years ago, I guess it was. He, uh, 
took one round. I gave him 20 rounds. He put one in the gun, and that was it. And uh, when he missed, he's looking at me like, I said, dude, mm-hmm. where's the other 19? Oh, well, I, I, it was too heavy. I, I wow. must have been pretty confident with his shot. There. Well, I don't know. I saw, I saw this monster buck just waddle away, and I said, hey, Mr. Buck, he didn't deserve you. <laughs> you go on your life. Yeah. He does not deserve you. Yeah. That was a, amazing. And uh, yeah, what a, what a lesson for that guy too. Um, so it's important in this, this uh, M-lock. Tech lock. Tech lock, sorry. The tech lock is a very good fortune. And it holds this knife extremely secure, upside down. So when you're tumbling down the hill, your knife is still on your hip. That's right. <laughs> when That's the grizzly's right. attacking you, it's still going to be there when you're ready to grab it. Right? So you'll have, so it's a four inch, three inch blade. So when the grizzly's attacking you and you have your three-inch blade, you can go ahead and slit your wrist and just try and get it over yeah. a little quicker. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. it. And if it's accessible, it'd be quicker. Exactly. Don't want to munch you. Just Maybe take... small black bear. Maybe. Maybe. Like <laughs> one with a collar on and a bow on the side. Yeah. A little teddy bear. Yeah. About to do it. Hey, you also came out with another design for guys who like folders. That's a folding striker, which is uh, kind of a folding version of the large fixed blade that we first talked about. And it's about a two and a half inch blade? It's a three inch blade. I is think it three? It's, yeah, I think it's right on three. Or right. Whatever. So it's a much smaller blade, um, but the fact that it's a folder, you can throw it in your pocket. It's got a nice heavy duty clip. Not one of those clips that always fails you. I always see those clips where you sit down and all of a sudden your knife's on the floor. Oh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of clips break in general. You know, from the just the usage, um, and so that's a shorter one, so you don't have to pull up so much to get it out of your pocket. You know, that was the idea behind that is like short and wide. You know, keep it where it wants to be, but then if you need it, it pulls out a lot quicker. And so it's your basic lock blade, but I think you know again you have the uh... it's a fr- it's a frame lock. It's going to act like a fixed blade once it locks in. It has a really positive lockdown, which a lot of uh, Locking mechanisms don't quite have that same um, stability. You'll notice there's no movement on the pivot once it's open. So it functions like a fixed blade would. So that would be your folding fixed blade is a good way of explaining it because it is is designed like that. Very solid. And it's a frame lock, right? So there's less moving parts and, and it, uh, it holds more of a positive lock than the other locking mechanism options. It's so what made you come up with this design? I wanted a folding version of the fixed blade that we did. And I, want, I liked thick blades you know for leverage and i found a lot of the folding knives had pretty thin blades um and i wanted a little thicker stock blade which you'll notice it's quite it's quite thick for the length of the blade um but yeah that's in a nutshell that's your everyday pocket carry knife that is a little more heavy duty so it can do a little bit more a little bit more leverage than your average knife right and the other thing i noticed about this is and i've seen it on some i don't know why but on some uh some brands like they'll put the clip in a different position where the clip covers the screws if you needed to tighten anything. Yeah. It's like you have to take the whole... Mm-hmm. I don't know who designed that, but you yeah. have to take the whole knife apart to tighten it. And then- Le- less is more. I always use... I always look at old, old revolvers for design inspiration and aesthetics and function. Nothing was wasted on an old revolver. Everything served a purpose. I feel the same way about the knives that we have. Yeah, when you're building by hand, you don't... Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we make two of our knives domestically. We make a fixed blade and we make a pocket friction folder, which I didn't bring today. But we make two of those in the high desert of California, uh, and uh, and then uh, you know we do a combination of all the rest with our manufacturer. We manufacture other stuff domestically. We have outsourced some of our domestic and overseas manufacturing. So just to be transparent about where we make our products, we make them in the places that make 
the best stuff. If we need to go somewhere else to make the best knife, we will. It's all about making the best product and passing that on to the customer. So hopefully it is a benefit to their use. Jeff, how can people get a hold of you? Civilware.com. Okay. That's You're on Instagram me. also? We're on Instagram at Civilware, C-I-V-I-L-W-A-R-E. And Jake? Yeah, and you can get a hold of me, Kika Worldwide, Instagram, website, and all the emails are there and social and medias. You'll be able to see all those animals he should have guided me to that uh, California yeah. denied me a tag on. Next year. Next year. Next <laughs> That's year. this year. Yeah. Oh, Folks, Firing Line Radio Show, I want to thank my guests. We had Rex Tibor on earlier. We have Jake Franklin and Jeff Raleigh. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, have a great season. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Shoot, Felipe. Shoot. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.